Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Reading from Mark chapter 1. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. The word of the Lord. You guys can all be seated. We are in the young stages of going through the book of Mark for the next couple months, few months. Um, And as you know, you can see in one, she read 116 to 20, Mark is already getting down to business. He doesn't waste a lot of time. Uh, I heard someone said that Jesus already has hair on his chest by the first chapter, so... Everywhere else, he's a swaddling baby at first, and he's kind of growing up. You know, he's telling the whole story, but here he's going directly to business. Um, If each one of these, the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels were a kind of movie or a sort of genre, you, of course, John would be the romantic movie. You know, he's all about love, and um, Luke would probably be more of a a journalist view, very precise, a lot of details. Matthew would be sort of like a historical documentary, going through all the things, the genealogy of Jesus. And then Mark would be the action movie. It's like he comes, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, total recall or, you know, explosion immediately. Jesus is coming in. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's showing his authority over nature. This is a Jesus who is fully in control Mark was writing to an earliest, uh, he was writing to an early church that was experienced a lot of suffering and persecution as Gentile Christians were in Rome. And he needed to move this narrative along quickly of who Jesus was and remind people in the midst of their suffering that Jesus was with them in the midst of it, but he was also above it. And that's what I love. It's something about um, a bit of Mark in all of us. Um, I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you for um, this moment that you have us in, this moment where we have an opportunity to consider what it means to follow you, what it means to pursue you, Jesus, in the midst of a world where we can follow somebody with a click of a button. What does it mean to follow you, Jesus? What does it mean to open up our hearts, to be vulnerable, to Um, to let you do the deep work in our hearts and gather us to you. Father, I just pray that um, with the words from my mouth that you would use them to encourage, to admonish, to inspire us to follow you all the more closely and to be seen by you. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So he walked to the Sea of Galilee, the northwest corner 
which is where all these cities, is. his base was Capernaum and Galilee, and you had some other cities, which was Cana, Bethsaida, who were also in that location. And this was kind of his, his home. When things got a little hot and heavy in Jerusalem, he would go back to Galilee because that's the place that he felt safe. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. That word immediately in Greek is euthios, immediately, straight away. This appears 42 times in Mark. You think Mark is in a hurry? <laughs> it's either straight away, forthwith, or <laughs> immediately. He is moving this story along. They didn't have a lot of time to consider what they were already doing, the importance of what they were doing. It seems that they had already made the decision that, yes, we're going to follow Jesus. And immediately, immediately they did. This is not the first encounter that they had with Jesus. In John 1, it talks about how um, Andrew had gone and told his brother Simon, come and see the Christ. Come see him. And Andrew and John began to follow Jesus immediately from that moment. But there's something about casting this round net. You know, they're in this boat, and I'm sure it's hard work. And if you just imagine, close your eyes for a second. You don't have to, but you could if you wanted to. You could imagine the water that's slapping against the, the boat and the smell of salt and all the fish that they're attempting to haul in. And the birds were attempting to take the fish away out of the net. It just could feel like a chaotic situation. But they're fish, and they're casting this net, seeking abundance. They're just casting this net over and over. And it makes me think of how we as people sometimes are looking for success and looking for abundance. And there is an urgency to the way that we are looking for success. We are applying for jobs. We're sending in resumes. We are constantly worried about our career. How are things are all going to follow? How are things going to work out? And Jesus walks by and says, follow me. How... How am I supposed to follow you when I'm busy here? I got business to do. Andrew and Simon were businessmen. They were fishermen. They were doing important work, you know, working on paying for vacations to Florida. They were working on, you know what I'm saying, extra Instagram things. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they were working to pay for stuff casting this net constantly in this lake, seeking for success and seeking to bring things out. And Jesus is like, actually, let's, let's change what you're doing and, and follow me. And it seems so simple, but yet so powerful because who he was encouraging them to follow just looking for success. In Mark 8, 34 and 5, it says, when he had called the people to himself, when Jesus had, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. We are 
caught in a world that is constantly convincing us that we know what's good for ourselves. <laughs> that we know that we can find our own purpose outside of God, that we can figure our way through life without him. And he's like, just, just stop, just stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that and follow me. But, but how's it going to work out? Like, can you give me a, you know what I'm saying, a spreadsheet so I know exactly the, the process that everything is going to happen in? So I know, he's like, just follow me. That sounds a little bit arbitrary. If I just walked up to somebody on the street and was like, follow me, they'd be like, what? Uh, no. <laughs> no, brother. <laughs> but yet and still, he had been preparing them for this moment. Come, follow me. In John 1, where Jesus has his encounter with Andrew and and Simon for the first time. Um, At at 1 and 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. So this is directly after John had announced Jesus as the lamb who has come to Heal the world. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, he said, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. So this is not the first time that Simon and Andrew have encountered Jesus. And he simply says the words, come and follow me. We're constantly seeking for success, constantly seeking for things that we believe we need. Jesus is always saying, come follow me. There are certain phrases that seem to reverberate over and over, um, and it's always an opportunity to start. But the problem is we want to bring our refined self to Jesus. We want to bring our self that's already been healed up and made right and is on top of the world and doing everything awesome and and amazing, we want to bring our net selves. Jesus is like, I want your gross self. You know, your gross income is your income that you have before they start to take taxes and stuff out of it. And then your net income is after all your expenses have come out and everything. And we're like, all right, God, let me get everything together. You might wonder what I'm talking about. If you ever heard anybody say, you know, I can't go to church. I would probably get struck by lightning. Oh, really? You get struck by lightning? Jesus wants you gross. He wants you nasty, smelling like fish. He wants you fresh off the boat. You know what I'm saying? He needs you in that state. We are so busy attempting to be successful and refine ourselves that we never get to following him because that net day never comes. It never comes. When I have my ducks in a row, 
when I can do this and that, everything is awesome. But I say start from where you are, not from where you left off. Start from where you are, not where you left off. You know, we all have an earlier version of ourselves that we're trying to get to. A skinnier version, as a parent, a version with more energy, <laughs> a version that doesn't fall asleep on a Netflix movie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a version that doesn't fall asleep on a couch and then wakes up at 4 a.m., like, maybe I should go get in bed. We're all trying to get back to that, and in the midst of it, Jesus is saying, come follow me. The root of that word, come follow me, is optonomai, which means to look at, to behold, or to allow oneself to be seen. Want to come up here a second, Mason? Give it up for Mason. He's going to do a little illustration with me. So you just want to walk, I'll walk behind you. So this is, this is how you follow somebody, right? Now, <laughs> not only is it obvious to him that I'm following him, it is obvious to you that I'm following him. And so he is, I, I'm looking, beholding him as I'm following him, and I'm allowing myself to be seen. If he looks over his shoulder, look, here I am. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nice guy, really. <laughs> Thanks. Let's give it up for him. <laughs> I am allowing myself to be seen by following, and then I am getting to look and behold. This is what following is about. It's about us threat being okay being seen. All of the insecurities that come out when we are unsure about our lives and unsure about our stations and unsure about our career, we hide because of shame. We hide because we haven't reached our net selves. We haven't become refined. And Jesus is like, I just want you. I don't want your results. I have the ultimate results. Just come. Come follow me, is all he could say. Not get yourself together and then come follow me. It's just, come follow me. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately left attempting to do things in the world their own way and refine their own selves by a series of work and action. Now, look, I'm preaching to myself today, too, because we all fall into this thing. We can call it the rat race. We can call it the following Jesus doesn't seem to be enough. How do I do it in my context? He literally hasn't walked past me and called me to drop my nets, to leave my father's business, to leave everything I've ever known, to follow him. Maybe he has. Maybe he said, in our context, how do we follow Jesus? How do we be disciples? One haunting thought or one sobering thought I have is if people look at my life, do they know I'm who I'm following? 
Am I following my heart? Am I following my desires? Am I following the bread trail? Am I following some other things? Am I following even my parents' inheritance? Or would they say, oh, no, you're following Jesus? Because that essentially is what success is, discipleship. Discipleship is how we follow Jesus. How we follow Jesus in our context. So I'm going to just go through these really quickly. I'm not going to elaborate too much on them. Prayer is how we follow Jesus. We pray in a conversation with him. And it can be very hard or intimidating, especially when you listen to a pastor pray. And you're like, all I got is help. <laughs> all I have is, uh, I, it doesn't sound eloquent, so I'm not going to say it at all. But the way that we follow Jesus is beginning this conversation with him. So if you ever need a catalyst, a spark to know how do you begin to pray, how do I even start? Start with God. I know you're listening. Dot, 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 dot. God, I know you're there. I know you're listening because he is. When we turn his heart to him, instead of casting our nets into the Sea of Galilee, we're casting our cares upon him. The best one to cast our cares upon. Tithing, which is giving 10% of your income. Net or gross, you can decide. <laughs> but tithing, these are both ways that I am being seen. These are both ways that I'm like, I'm following you, Jesus. What is the Old Testament paradigm for giving? It's tithing. What's the New Testament paradigm for giving? It is leave everything and follow me. <laughs> what? How do I do that, Lord? How do I begin to be seen? This is where I am. This is where I'm being fed. This, you're doing something amazing in me, Lord. How do I surrender more of who I am to you and follow and not cast and look for success from every single thing that I do? And these nets that will never be filled enough. Because even if they're abundance, I still have problems but somehow following him gives ourselves over to the great physician, the great mender, who will fix us better than we can fix ourselves. And lastly, by pursuing community, by pursuing each other, this is what discipleship is about. I know it just feels like asking somebody out to coffee, but this is a holy, precious Thing that we get to do together in community. We get to pursue each other. John and Andrew were following Jesus. He's like, who's that behind me? <laughs> what are you looking for? They're following him and even Jesus, which was so odd in this context for him to pursue him, him to pursue them. The prodigal son and the father running towards him. Is a heart of the Father that all you know is the more you pursue Jesus through prayer 
and surrender. I'm chasing after you. Your heart won't stop coming after me. You find that it's not you that's pursuing Jesus. It's him pursuing you. The more that you are seen, the more that you are pursuing Jesus, you find out that it is him pursuing you. As that increases, oh, wow, I'm following you. I'm so awesome. Well, you're right. You're behind me. You think you're behind him, then he's behind you, then you're behind him, then he's behind you. This is what happens when we are seen. We begin to see how much he loves us and how we are truly his beloved. Can we be seen? Can we walk in intimacy with the Lord? I remember once I was uh, running through Humble Park. I've been running a little more lately, and um, <laughs> I'm like, it's not making a big difference or something. Then my, my four-year-old this week was like, Dad, you look small. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. <laughs> but I was running through Humble Park. It was years ago, and only time this has happened, I have a, had a picture of me with a net with fish in it. I'm like, what does this mean? A fish with net, you know, a net with fish in it. So I would be running by people, and I started to proposition people, not the way that it sounds, but with Christ. And I just boldly did it, like every person I passed. One, I'm running, I'm just like, hey, are you ready? They're like, yeah, I'm ready. He gives his life to Jesus. I'm running a little bit further. Hey, are you ready to receive Christ in your heart? Yes, I'm ready to receive Christ in my heart. On this run, I led six people to the Lord. And I come back and my wife is like, where you been? <laughs> like, honey, it was amazing. It was just <laughs> Jesus leads us as we follow him and shows us how to be fishers of men. It's something that I don't do all the time. I am infinitely not as interested and as I should be in seeing people's hearts turn to the very desire of nations, as he is. But what happens is when you follow him, you start to get the same heartbeat. You start to feel the same things. You start to love the way that he loves. And you don't know what desires belong to you and what desires belong to him. This is intimacy. It's a heartbeat. This is a mother being um, incubating a child and their heartbeats start to mimic the same exact way. This is my mother uh, being pregnant with me and saying that she was more angry or uh, more stubborn and ferocious than she's ever been before. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> she completely changes as she's based on the child that she's incubating. So what happens is we are following Christ and becoming just like him. Where does he end and we begin, and where does he begin and we end? But it's all right that to follow someone who's literally, their name is the way. Literally. The way. <laughs> the truth and the life. I don't know, Jesus, you know, I, I got this plan. I got like a five-year plan, you know. It's going to be pretty awesome. He's like, seriously? I'm the way. 
the closer and more intimate we get with him, the more we understand that he is preparing us. There's something interesting when you look at the names of the disciples that he called. Andrew and Simon were brothers. Also, James and John were brothers. So they were two sets of brothers, but they were in different social standings. Now, they were both businessmen, which means they were both wealthy. The second pair, it shows that they had hired servants, and their father was actually with them. There was a family business. So I'm going to say that the people with servants were wealthier. You think that's a fair assumption? Yeah? Okay. If I had servants, me and my wife dream, dream about a uh, maid or something one day. But if I had servants, maybe it would mean that I was a little wealthier than the other ones. Jesus approaches Andrew and Simon first, and he approaches James and John next. The exact order of their names sounds like a sentence, right? Andrew is man or manly. Simon is listen, and James, James is one who follows or the supplanter. Jacob is in Hebrew is what James is in Greek. And John is Yahweh is gracious. God is gracious. So if I were to say this in a sentence, I could say it like, man, listen. <laughs> one who follows, God is gracious. Man, listen, to one who follows, God is gracious. So I'm going to say the four, first part, and you say the last part. Man, listen, to one who follows. Man, listen, to one who follows. You know what we just did there? That's called call and response. And in a black church, it is mimicking Jesus calling and us responding. It's mimicking him sending out words and us responding. But I love that. That's even in the order of their names. He's telling us exactly what happens when we follow him who is the way in his line. And everything is found in him from justice and from purpose. It is found on the way. So not only are their names or their groupings seem to be in the wrong social order because he pursues the one with less high social standing first, um, but also he gets the order wrong of preparation. He approaches those who are casting the nets before those who are mending those who are throwing the nets out as opposed to those who are preparing it. That doesn't, that doesn't really make any sense. It seems like you would go the mended net and then cast it. But I think he's showing us that as we cast our cares upon him, then we become whole, and then we become fixed, and then we become under the tutelage of the great physician. The mending is not done ourselves, but it is done by Christ. It is done by the one who is always gracious and lives with our heart to follow. Now, I'll put that, a heart with the X over it, because I wanted the culmination of this to be that I don't want to follow my heart. I want to follow Jesus. 
my heart desires for me to be somewhere with a uh, gallon of jalapeno Cheetos and a vat of wild berry Skittles. My heart is inherently wicked and wants to go a million different places. I desire to follow Jesus. What will people say about you? What will the earth say about you? Because it groans and waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Oh, they follow their heart. Awesome. That's amazing. I hope they got those skittles. Or was it that you followed Jesus? That we were disciples who learned how to converse with him in intimacy and learn to bring our gross selves, every bit of it, to him constantly because every day it is, follow me. Just follow me. Follow me. Be seen. You are chosen. You are worth it. You are more than worth it to the one who is worthy of all praise. Dan, you want to come up? So if you want to put your hand on your heart, I just want to pray for you. Because, man, listen. To the one who follows, God is gracious. He is so gracious to us. How are we being discipled and how are we following Jesus? And knowing that his desire is only to be near us. This heart that's just beating and yearning and can't wait to tell us the good news. I just love that. I'm going to teach you how to fish. And when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Father, I pray for your mending power to touch us right now. For the balm that is in Gilead to be poured down over each one of these precious souls right now, God that we would endeavor to bring our gross selves to you, that we wouldn't concern ourselves with our net responsibilities before we get to you, but that you do the healing and the mending on the way that you are. We thank you, God, for a life of beauty that we get to see and experience as disciples. Help us pray. Help us to give and be generous Help us to pursue community, God. The great gifts that you've given us and the great way that you've shown us to follow you here. I pray that those who are hurting will be comforted and those who mourn will find life. We thank you, Father, that as we follow you and endeavor to be seen, we truly learn what unity is and oneness with you is.
Thank you.